This message that I'm going to be preaching today is called, called <laughs> to be a generational church. Pastor's been in that series on called and different things that we are called to be. And we are definitely here called to be a generational church. And really it was inspired in my heart to preach this when we were at Winter Bible Seminar a few weeks ago there in uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And pastors Ken and Lynette Hagen, their daughter Denise Hagen Burns, she shared on generational cohesion one morning. It was one of the most powerful messages that I have ever heard. She's been working with children and youth ministry for like 25 years. She's got a lot of experience. She also has a, a degree in early childhood development. She gave a lot of stats about this upcoming generation. And it so struck my heart that I felt like that we as a church should watch this message together. So tonight we are going to be doing that. We'll be showing that entire teaching by Denise. And I want to encourage all of you to come back, particularly if you're a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, children's worker, youth worker. I think that covers everybody because we can all learn and be informed on how to better reach this upcoming generation. Amen. I'm telling you, it's some powerful information. And the message I'll be sharing today is it's really completely different than what you'll hear tonight. So again, please come. So if you were to look around the room today, it's obvious that we are a multicultural church. We always say that because that's what heaven looks like. People from every walk of life, every background, every group, every race, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue. We love that about our church. It's a slice of heaven. But along with that, we are also a multi-generational church. Now the youth are over in their classroom, preschool's over here, CIA is over there. But we do have something for every single generation here at Heart of the Bay. And if you think that that's always easy to merge the generations, well, you know, it really isn't. God can help us. And we pray for our ushers that God will help them. Because they know about how difficult that can be sometimes. You got the seniors that are sitting there going, oh, it's freezing in here. Then you have the middle-aged women with their cute little fans going, whoo-hoo-hoo. Little hot, little hot. Then you got the youth and the kids and the younger generation. They don't care about the temperature. They just want to come to church and have fun. So we have to have this balance of getting everybody on the same page of worshiping Jesus. God is not just the God of some past generation. I like to study past history and see how God moved in the past. But he's not a God of just the past. Or he's not a God of some up and coming generation only. He's the God of all generations. How many of you in here have asked Jesus into your heart? Wave your hand at me. Well, you can see that the Bible is 
true. When it tells us over in the book of Romans, Romans 10, 13, it says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's no restrictions on who can come into the family of God. It doesn't say, you know, you have to be a certain age before you can ask Jesus into your heart. Or it doesn't say you're too old to ask Jesus into your heart. No, the Bible is clear. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be part of this wonderful, glorious family called the family of God. Thank the Lord. You're never too young. You're never too old to come into the kingdom. And at every age and every walk and every stage of our lives, we all have something to contribute to the kingdom of God and to the family of God. I want to start out by reading this scripture to you in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29, out of the NLT version. It says this, The glory of the young is their strength. But the gray hair of experience is the splendor and magnificent of the old. As I read that the other day, I thought, hmm, I'm glad I don't have to have gray hair to prove my maturity and my experience in life. Just saying, I have chosen to wash that gray right out of my hair. You can do with it what you want to. But you know, even though I have washed the natural gray right out of my hair, I'm just going to tell y'all I'm quite mature. And I'm quite experienced. You know, that wasn't meant to be funny. I, you know, whatever. <laughs> but when I read that, it says that the glory of the youth is their strength. You know, the youth, they're impassioned. They're strong and I can stay up all hours of the night and still get up and go to school and they've got boundless energy and thank God for it. But then there's also the thing about, you know, how the older generation is. And this message today is just for us to realize that there can be that cohesion and we can honor and we can respect each other and we don't center in on our differences and those things that separate us, but we center in on those things that connect us. We don't judge each other by the outward appearance. Now you might know some youth that perhaps, you know, they've got tats all over their body and, and they may have pink or purple hair. And sometimes you see those things and you want to go, Oh, I don't think I want to be associated with that. And this is a disclaimer right here. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, all youth are going to be wild and crazy. And you as a parent, you have to set the standard. You have to set the boundaries in your home of what you're going to allow your teenagers to wear or how they're going to look. But when I say this, I am talking about harvest across the street. We have Chabot College all around us in the Bay Area. This is a real innovative area. And there's things that are happening in this generation. There's pressure on them to look a certain way, to act a certain way. And when they come into our churches, we don't want to go, Ooh, I can't talk to you. You have a 
pierce in your nose. That, that's one of the things that I'm kind of like, why? What happens when you get a cold? That's got to be gnarly. But anyhow. <laughs> but we can't look at those things and go, I can't talk to you. I can't be associated with you. No, those kind of attitudes cause that gap. Did you know the generation gap is not in the Bible? God never planned and wanted generations to have this big, huge separation and this gap. He wants us to look at one another and value one another. Some of the stuff that you do, it's just called being young and dumb. If I were to ask for a show of hands in here today, can any of you remember when you were young? You know, I asked that in the first service and people looked at me like, um, not really. You know, it's been 80 years ago. I I can't remember. But all of us at one point in our life were young and probably really dumb. The youth today, there's this pressure, a lot of them, to, to get these tats and all of that stuff. We have one of our, our youngest son. He, he got tats when he was old enough to make his own decision. And he, he got them, and I, you know, mom wasn't thrilled with it, but, you know, he did. He was over 21. I let, you know, he did it. Well, whatever. But just recently, I was at their house, and he's like, oh, man, i got to cover this up now. He's on staff at Keith Moore's church. (laughs) He can't wear his little tank tops when he's playing guitar. You know what I'm saying? And I I looked at him and I was kind of like, I could have told you. You were going to regret that someday. Somebody gave me a birthday card and I, I like funny birthday cards. And this lady on the front, I think it's Maxine, if some of those cards are so funny. She had this gnarly look on her face and she said, when I was young, I got a rose tattoo. And then you open it up and she says, now that I'm older, it's a long stem rose. (laughs) Not going there, but you know, things sag as you get older. You can regret those things that you do when you're young. (laughs) But we don't judge one another. Mark Twain said this. You all have heard of Mark Twain. And this is how the younger generation sometimes looks at the older generation. Again, we need to love and esteem one another. Mark Twain said this. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to be around him. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he'd learned in seven years. Hmm, something to think about, right? Youth need the experience and the wisdom of the older generation. But we, because I'm, you know, I hate to admit it, but we, me and you and some of us (laughs) are in the older generation. We need the passion, the enthusiasm, the energy of the youth. And we that are older, because it's mostly the older group in here, they're over there in their classroom, they're over there in their classroom. We need to take responsibility to mentor those coming up under us. 
Mentoring is so important. If you're a parent or you're a grandparent, maybe you're an aunt or you're an uncle, you need to take that upon yourself as a challenge from God that I'm going to speak life into the up and coming generation. I'm not going to speak evil words about them. I'm not going to curse them because of the things that they're doing. I'm going to speak blessing upon them and I'm going to live a godly life before them and show them what it really means to be a Christian. We in the family have that. That's the number one influence in children's lives and youth lives. It's their parents. It's her grandparents, but it also extends out to their church family. We've got wonderful folks here that volunteer with our children, that work with our youth and thank God for them. But every one of us sitting in this church today, we can speak into somebody's life. We can impact and influence them for Jesus. Amen. Can I get a witness? I was thinking about it just as my myself growing up in a good Christian family. I, I was born again at a really, really young age. And my parents were godly people. And I thank, thank the Lord for that. They did have the greatest influence and the greatest impact on my life. But they also saw to it that we were raised in church. If the church doors were open, we were there. Three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It was just an unwritten law. You just don't miss church. But I thank God for that being instilled in me. And there was Sunday school teachers. And then as I got older, I was actually over the youth group in our church. But the lady that I worked with over, over me was T.L. Osborne's baby sister. Her name is Frankie. Yeah, T.L. Osborne is from the area where I grew up. He came to our church a lot when I was young. But Frankie, she had me in her heart. And I knew that she did. She'd take time to talk with me and pray with me. She gave me godly counsel. When I was young, I was a senior in high school. I was about to marry the wrong person. And she took the time to sit down with me and say, you know, we've talked about this. We've talked about how impassioned you are. We've talked about the call of God on your life. And this just isn't going to fit. You know, he doesn't have that same call. And through me receiving that counsel and receiving the counsel from my parents i didn't i didn't enter in to that wrong relationship and she also impacted and instilled in me a love for the world we grew up in a little farming community small little town but she had the world in her heart from her association with her brother T.L. Osborne and he'd come and he'd show those films at our church and it got in me the world got in my heart God wants to use all of us to imprint and to impact generations coming underneath us If you do serve with children or youth in this church, I want to encourage you. I am a witness. I am a testimony of someone taking the time to invest 
in me. And I know beyond a shadow of doubt, anything that's accomplished in my life for the kingdom of God, Sister Frankie gets part of that reward. It's a good thing to work with kids. And it's a good thing to see the big picture. God's design is that all of us, we glean, we esteem, and we learn from each other. He is a God of generations. We see this all throughout the Bible. You remember when God spoke to Moses and he was calling him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. How many of you remember that story? And Moses was not real sure about what he was going to say to Pharaoh, what he was going to say to the children of Israel about being their leader. Let's pick up this account and he... Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. And then this is part I want to center in on. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus You shall say to the children of Israel, the God, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial for all generations. So what was God reiterating to Moses? He was saying, as I was with Isaac, as I was with Jacob, as I was with Abraham, the first one, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, so will I be with you. And you can see this phrase repeated numerous times throughout the Bible. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He's wanting us to grab hold of the fact he's a God of generations. And when he said this will be a memorial unto me forever, he's wanting us to catch hold of the fact that we are to remember. We're to remember the faithfulness of God. We're to remember how God spoke to Abraham, how God used Abraham, how God spoke to Isaac, how God dealt with Jacob. He's wanting him to realize I am the same God in your life. That's what we need to tell the generations under us. Don't be afraid to boldly declare God's been faithful to us and he will be faithful to you. Declare the mighty acts of the Lord from generation to generation. Each generation has their part to play. I like what one minister said about three generations represented in churches. He said, Abraham resources Isaac. Isaac releases Jacob. Jacob reveres Abraham. What's this saying to us? Youth have passion. They have zeal. 
but they don't have any money. So for nothing else, they need us, honey. They need your money to fund the dreams that they have in their heart. That's part of God's plan, working together. And then these three generations are reiterated over in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. Like There's so many verses on generations. I'm just picking out a few. But if you want to really study it out, there's tons. But I'm picking out the ones I felt to emphasize. In Acts chapter 2, this is the account where Jesus had left. And he had told his disciples, I want you to be endued with power from on high. He said to that 120, go and wait in the city of Jerusalem till the Holy Ghost falls on you and power shows up in your life. And that's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. There was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I don't know the ages of everybody that was there, but I'm pretty sure all generations were represented that day because our God is a God of all generations. And the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not for the old, it's not for the young. It's for whoever is born again can be filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. And the reason that I believe all generations were there is found in verse 17 of Acts chapter 2. It shall come to pass, says the Lord. That I, in the last day, says the Lord, that I will pour out of my spirit on, say it with me, all flesh. In the message there, it says every kind of people, everyone that's born again. That's the only criteria for getting filled with the Holy Ghost and power, power, power and fire, fire, fire. Is are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Every person. Your sons. He goes on to say, your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Now that does not mean that you come to church and fall asleep and hope that you can get a godly dream. No, we're not talking about those kind of dreams when we're in church. We're awake. We're hearing the word of the Lord. He's instilling into you dreams and visions concerning the future. And notice he said it involves the old men are going to have dreams. The young men are going to see visions. And then he said, your sons and your daughters, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, all generations. Then in verse 18, and on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out of my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Again, in the message, it says those who put their hand to the plow have something to say. Those who serve the Lord, manservants, servants, those are people that are doing something, doing something. 
If you're doing something in the kingdom of God, you need his power. You need his ability to help you fulfill your destiny, his purpose for your life. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by his spirit coming upon us, enabling us, equipping us to run our race and do what we were destined to do. And every one of us have something to do. Each generation is going to look a little bit different in how they serve the Lord and how literally how they look. The young generation wants to be cool. They want to have fun. Well, that's all right. That's great. They want to have, you know, their own awesome music. That's good. That's fine. But I know this for a fact. The only thing that's going to leave a lasting impression on the younger generation and keep them connected to the Lord Jesus Christ all the days of their life is to have a Holy Ghost encounter. I don't have time to go into all of it, but I have altars in my life. I have places where I know God came down upon me and he empowered me and he equipped me and he reiterated and he marked the call of God in my life. I was 11 years old when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and I'll help you out. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost 53 years. The Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, have been my closest, closest friend. Have I always done everything right? Well, have you? Did I always make right choices? No. But one thing I can say boldly, there was never, ever a time in my life, regardless of what I faced, I faced some difficult things. My mom died when I was 21 years old. That was rough. But not once did I ever have this thought. I'm going to walk away from you, Lord. I'm going to go see what it's like to be out in the world. Folks, there is a sustaining. There is a keeping power that comes when we are filled and we stay full of the Holy Spirit. And I, as pastors and leaders of this church, we are contending for our youth to have Holy Ghost encounters. It's not fun games. It's not great food that's going to keep them connected to the church. It's Jesus. Give me Jesus. And when they have that encounter and they are branded, I was marked, I was branded as a young child. And I'm not glorifying me, I'm giving you a testimony that the Holy Ghost will keep your youth. Get them, you do what you need to do at home. Get them in church. Get them under the anointing. 
Get them in services where they encounter the power of God. That's the only thing that's going to keep them. And that's the only thing that will be stronger than the pull of this world. I don't think any of us in here realize the things that the youth have to face today. The pull of the world. The temptation, the things to compromise and to conform to the image of this world. But if we give them Jesus, they're going to see him. They're going to have that personal relationship and they're not going to walk away from their faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, in our time that we have left together, I want to look at some scriptures in the book of Psalms. David was a man after God's own heart. And he knew something about teaching the next generation. We're going to look at Psalms 145. And up there in the booth, I think for sake of time, we'll just read verse 4. Psalms 145, verse 4. One generation shall praise your works to another. And shall declare your mighty acts. David was a worshiper. He was a praiser. He was very expressive. The Bible says David danced before the Lord with all of his heart. He wasn't ashamed to see people in his, have people in his kingdom see him wildly and enthusiastically praising the Lord. He worshiped God. He praised God before his family. How will the next generation, how shall they learn to pray? How shall they learn to praise if they don't see it modeled in our lives? Our lives are the only Bible that some young people will ever read. Let them hear Jesus. Let them see Jesus through us. Amen. Now, I know this for a fact. I don't, I can't sing. I know that. I get to preach though, yay. But I can't sing. I make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I don't have any rhythm. You know that one movie, White Men Can't Jump? Well, this white woman can't dance, but whatever. But I, I know how to praise God. I know how to run down Hallelujah Hallway. I know how to worship Him with all of my heart. When uh, John and Lindy were first married and they were here at church and we were having some wild Holy Ghost services and the Spirit of God would come upon me and I was not ashamed. I don't care if I don't have any rhythm. I just danced before the Lord with all that I have within me on numerous occasions. And they would get so tickled at me that they said, man, Mom, I've never seen moves quite like that. (laughs) They had a name for it. They'd look over at each other and they'd say, she's doing the mom. (laughs) Doing the mom. But you know what? They know that mom praises the Lord. And mom's not ashamed to lift up holy hands. Mom's not ashamed to kick her leg or, or wiggle or whatever I was doing. Run in circles. Express your love. Your worship. To him boldly for the next generation to see. Now we know for sure that none of us praise the Lord the same way. Will the praise, will the music, 
of each generation, will it sound the same? Absolutely not. Will we all love the same style of music? No. Let me read you a couple of letters that were written from older folks to church leaders. This one says, I don't like the new music. It's too loud. It's too lively. It will never catch on. It's not keeping with our church traditions. This letter was not written last week. This letter was written in the 1890s and it was regarding the songs, Amazing Grace and Power in the Blood. These are facts, folks. People have copies of these letters. And then there was another letter that was written. When I go to church, it's to worship God. You can almost hear the religion in that. Not to be distracted with learning a new song. That new tune that we sang last week was unsingable. The harmonies were quite distorting. That letter was not written to Pastor Tom. That letter was written again in the late 1800s to the pastor of the church. And it was written about the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Each move has a distinct sound and a style. Same music done to appeal to everyone. That's not important. You might like Bill Gaither and Vestal Goodman. But your youth might be listening to Lauren Daigle and Hillsong Young and Free. Style is not the issue. What's important is the spirit behind it. If the spirit behind it is glorifying God, let it rip. You might have teenagers in your house. I remember when our boys were teenagers and they were both just learning to play the guitar. And that was back in the time when Christian rock was coming on the scene. And they thought they were something rocking out up there with their guitars. I came home one day and their, John's bedroom was right above our kitchen. And the little globe on the light had a big crack in it. I mean, poor neighbors. They were rocking out. But they were rocking out to Christian Music, Not my style. Didn't enjoy it. But you know what? Because we let them express themselves. They're both serving the Lord today. They're both playing the guitar for Jesus. Hallelujah. It's all about embracing the next generation. And giving them place to express themselves. You know, David, he had a lot of experience with God's mercy and his faithfulness as well. In Psalms 89 verse 1, he said, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. He also knew that God would use a young person who was committed to him. David was anointed to be king. At 17 years old. And when Samuel showed up at his dad's house, he he wasn't the first pick. But God said to Samuel, don't look on the outward appearance. 
God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. We oftentimes, we got to look beyond the spiked purple hair. And you know what? If we'll open our hearts up, there might be a blazing evangelist in there for the kingdom of God. Amen. It's important. And then David, he knew the power of impacting future generations. We're going to go to Psalms 71, 17 and 18 in the NLT. Oh God, you have taught me from your, uh, my earliest childhood. And I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I'm old and gray. What was it with David and gray hair? Anyway, now that I'm old and gray. Do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation. Your mighty miracles to all who come after me. David was impassioned with making sure the things that he had learned from the Lord be passed on. To future generations. And he was crying out. You can hear his heart. He's crying out, Lord, I want to transmit these things to those coming after me. And I cannot do it in my own ability. He's saying, Lord, give me the strength, the wisdom, the sustaining power that I need to get her done. To impart and to impass. Each generation has a call and a mandate to reach their generation, to raise up, and to release those that are coming after us. Every single one of us are called to be the chosen generation. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that says that. But you are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. You, do this to yourself. Me, I'm chosen and I'm called to be a royal priesthood, to show forth the praises of him. You know, we live in the midst of a dark and a perverse generation. This world is dark, but every single believer is a carrier of light. And he wants every generation, every generation to work together in unity. This is our time. This is our season for impartation. Not separation. Imparting into each other's life. Not separating from one another. Pastor had a word in the first service. I don't know if he wants to share it or not. But it was about how we're not to despise one another. And we're not to speak wrong words over each other. Our boys did things and, you know, I wish they wouldn't have this, that, and the other. But we were always, we had to watch over our mouth that we are not going to tell them that you're dumb, you're stupid, you're never going to amount to anything. We're not going to look at the next generation and say, oh, 
brother, why are you doing that? No, we're going to line up our words with the will, the plan, and the purpose of God. God taught Father Abraham, and it was passed down from generation to generation to bless the next generation. To speak a blessing into their lives, not a curse. Words are containers. Words are powerful things. And today I believe the Spirit of God, He's tugging on all of our hearts to step up and to accept this challenge from Him to have a greater influence and a greater impact on all of those around us. I recently heard this uh, quote about prayer. Prayer is not just about God answering us. It is about us answering God. Prayer is a two-way street. We talk to Him. He does answer us, but He talks to us. And He asks us, get in the game. Roll up your sleeves. Serve. Pray. Be a light in a dark generation. Amen. Let's all stand. I want to lead you in confession. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you so much for helping us today. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I know that your word will not return void. And I know that your word is a seed. And hearts that have been opened today, they're seeds that have been planted. And they're going to grow. And they're going to expand. And we're going to... We're going to work hand in hand. In your harvest field. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.